Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. All right, guys. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. We have been uh, kind of in a hiatus. Uh, For those of you who have not heard... Uh, my co-host, Jason Roundsville, our executive director, has uh, since stepped away from Pope and Young, which is kind of why uh, we took a break so I could figure out the direction of the podcast and and where this was going to go. Uh, but I have nailed down a co-host that I am excited to have on board. So I want to introduce to you our new co-host, Tim Rizuski, our director of records here at Pope and Young. Tim, before... Um, I figured we could just take this time, uh, the first episode, to kind of introduce you. Uh, You've been on the show before, but now that you are uh, one of the voices of Pope and Young, if you will, uh, let's really get the people to know you. So uh, what do you currently do? What all does the the director of records do for Pope and Young? Well, first of all, let's not lie and say you're that excited. I am. I I really am. I am the last resort. Sorry for you all. That's not true. You were the first person on my list. The list is very short then. You want to know, like, listen, I've told people I'm really excited about this. Like everybody that's asked me what's happening with the podcast. I'm like, just stay tuned because I promise you it's coming back and it's going to be good. Well, if I can bring anything to it, records related or even a little bit of ignorant humor, then it will be a success. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm, that's what I, I, that's what what you're excited excited for. That's what you're excited for. I'm, I'm truly excited because, you know, me and Jason, 
we could never speak to numbers. We could never speak to uh, the record side of things. However, um, that is where you live. So um, we can really address things that we didn't have the capability of addressing before. So uh, I'm really excited about it, man. So um, what all do you do at Pope and Young? What does what the director of records do? Is this besides web site content manager? Is, is this, yes. be, is this besides like it project manager or. Yeah. This is besides all of the extra stuff that you're not oh. supposed to do, but you do out of the kindness of your heart. If I don't do it, who will. Right. Um, you know, records is a, an interesting thing. Pope and Young has been known for records forever, but a lot of people really don't know the process. Um, I don't just wave a magic wand and say your trophy's accepted. It's not that simple. We have a long process. We have entries. That's the main thing. We have the printing of books. That's another portion. But we also have measures. We have a, nearly a thousand measures all over North America. And I work with them daily. Um, help them with a measuring issue. Help them get connected with hunters teach new measures at workshops. And then the other aspect is to continue to train and provide support to measures in other ways. Um, we've had a record year. I've got a, a record year in my time frame. Um, looking at the history over the last four or five years, I would say even just slightly pre-COVID, we've never really had a 2,500 entry year in a long, long time. We, as of July 1st, were nearly at 2,000 entries for the year. Um, this is the slow time, but it really starts ramping up again in November. It would not surprise me if we get another 100 entries between now and November, and then another 300 entries by the end of the year or more. Um, and as you said, Jason stepped away, but we've also become a little short staffed in the office. And so when you say, what do I do as the records director? I do more now than I did then than I did Six before. Ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with that being said, um, once everybody gets in place, we get some new staff helping us. My main job is to make sure that what measures turn in is accurate, is complete and within are measuring guidelines. That means, is this a typical or non-typical point? Is this animal within a boundary? Was it taken in fair chase? Are we certain that the arrow was what killed the animal? And the other aspect of that is tracking the scores of entries that come in and preparing for, although it's a year and a half away, panel and convention again. Once, once we get to October of next year of 2024, our invite process starts where we're going to invite the top five animals taken in 2023, or excuse me, accepted by us in 2023 and 2024. Those will come to panel, get verified, and then we'll display them again at convention and give awards. There's a lot of things that go on throughout those two years. And as you well know, we're constantly planning for two and four years out. So with less staff, with high volumes of 
entries coming in and with this last winter and springs large activity re- around events, I'm a little behind. <laughs> I, I am not afraid to admit it. I'm a little behind. We just today finished processing all the clean entries for March. I haven't even looked at an April, May, June, or even July, of course, entry yet. January, February, and March is huge. Um, hundreds of entries come in. It's exciting. And you get a real flavor for the success of the previous year of 2022, for example. But you do see some old entries come in. And that provides a little bit of a challenge sometimes, too. Sometimes the measures don't have all the information we need from something taken 5, 10, 20 years ago. So a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of letters come out of the records department to hunters and to measures to uh, just verify and, and clean up some entries before we accept them. And we don't accept everything. And so then there's that other aspect of records, the bad guy part where something maybe wasn't taken within our our equipment rules within our fair chase rules, maybe something they've done that's outside of our position statement, although maybe legal in their state or area, we don't accept. And so there's that aspect of getting the records committee involved, showing them what the case is, letting them discuss it and come up with a verdict. Um, it's a lot more than just uh, putting blue stars on and sending certificates out. So one of the biggest questions I get asked on social media, probably three to one over any other question, is from the time I send my animal in, how long until I hear back? Um, that I depends. Just say, I regretfully just say, call Tim. No. Um, so answer the question here for the people. Like, what can they expect realistically um, now, like you said, it's a hundred percent dependent on the time of year, staffing, you know, how many trophies are coming in, but for, for right now, the person listening right now who's waiting on a trophy, um, how far out can they, can they realistically think they are? Right. We have a goal. We have a, a realistic goal. Um, this wasn't a far-fetched goal. It's something that. I established right when I got here, but it was sort of in place already. And that is 30 days, not 30 days from the day you and the measure separate because somebody, hopefully the measure is turning in all the paperwork and the photos and has assisted the hunter with payment for the recording fee. But if the recording fee is paid and the entry is clean, nothing's missing, nothing's hard to read, um, whatever. 30 days from the time it's sent to the time the certificate is back to the hunter is our goal. Today, we're at about 94 days. That's creeping closer and closer. Um, We have a goal by September 1 to be caught up. Um, You know, with all the excuses that I mentioned earlier, the printing of a new record book, convention panel, three workshops, some people taking new jobs and, and leaving some holes in our staffing. Um, I just haven't had the mustard to keep up and, and I'm trying, but on average, on any time of the season with a clean entry, we shoot for 30 days. Um, 
sometimes when we're doing great, it's 14 days. Right now, it's about 92 days. And if somebody turns something in or they got it measured, say, in January, but the measure didn't turn it in until February, you may or may not know that as a hunter. And then a photo is missing or the fair chase isn't filled out completely or an old form is used and we need something else. That takes the entry into a different process because we're first in, first out. But once it's not complete, once there's some an issue that needs to be worked on, then it's as I can get to it because I can only work on one entry at a time. And I try to reward the clean entries coming in first and then every day, which has turned into every Friday, I'll do letters and emails and phone calls to, to pick up the, the simple things um, and the incomplete entries. If the, in, a, in a perfect world, we're shooting for 90 days or excuse me, 30 days. Now, just so everybody knows, the job posting is live for uh, the records coordinator position. So um, working hand in hand with Tim to help on records, um, that job posting is available. So if you're like, if you're a measurer or um, you just have a passion for big game hunting and conservation, head over to our social medias, head over to our website um, and figure out how to apply for that. You can read the full job descriptions there um, and get your name in there uh, because we're looking for help and uh, we want the right fit. So um, definitely measures, I would say, uh, Tim, any, I mean, any kind of input you want to put in there? Or? You know, yeah, it'd be great if you have, you don't expo- have to be a measure. I should, no. You don't have to no. be a measure. No. If you have exposure or You've been exposed to measuring, the measuring process. You have a passion for antlers, horns, skulls. Um, That's great. But the bulk of what this person's going to do is coordination of making sure the entry is clean, making sure documentation goes out, coordinating with new and current measures on events, and working with the office assistant and office manager on um, whether it's equipment or workshops or convention or whatever, you're, you're not crunching numbers all day. You're doing a lot of data entry. You're looking at a lot of photos. I swear to God, there are times when I don't want to look at another whitetail photo for, for a week. I see a Roosevelt entry come in or a, or a grizzly bear entry come in and I just, it's like I, I take a a break and just enjoy it. But all kidding aside, you know, you look at a lot of whitetails and you know, it's, it is interesting. It's fun, but it's also a job and we do expect a lot, you know, we, we have a lot to do. And so the job does have the potential to be remote and our headquarters in Minnesota, but this position could be remote. So yeah, we're looking for, for anyone. Um, no one wants to live in Minnesota. I don't know. I don't know. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of great whitetail hunting there. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I hear you guys or them up there. I, I hear they're getting weather like yourself, hot and humid. A lot of storms. But uh, you're inside. It's a beautiful office. It's very comfortable. That that office is, uh, the lighting and everything is just cozy to me. Um, and our that's office why you man- fall asleep every time we go there. That's true. And our office manager is probably the best person in the world to work with. So if you do land up with the, either the office assistant position or 
the coordinator in your in the area and you work out of the office, that's a bonus too. Not only the best coworker, just the best person ever, I think. It can't even be argued. I mean, it's not even arguable. It's one of those things, you know, it's like the Michael Jackson, Michael, excuse me, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, LeBron argument. It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly's like the greatest person in the world. No, she is. Um, so you've mentioned a lot about whitetails and things picking up in November. Just so people can really wrap their minds around this. How many whitetail trophies compared to the rest of the trophies do we take in a year? 65, 66, 67% about our whitetails of our, and that's right now, you know, that can climb that we have dips. Some States have phenomenal years, you know, just more hunters, what their things measured that year in that state or that measure or two or a little more active, but you know, it's hands down. Whitetails is number one. Then there's a three-way race often between American elk, pronghorn, and black bear. See, I thought, I thought, I thought, well, I don't know. Um, Okay, I can see those three being pretty close. I would think, I would think it would go, yeah. I mean, I keep wanting to say it would be black bear, but then I think, nah, it'd be elk. So, yeah, I mean, I can see those three being close. Pronghorn surprises me. I figured it would be definitely between elk or black bear. Um, yeah. Pronghorn surprises yeah. me. Yeah. Mainly because I'm stuck at hunting them. So I think everybody does, <laughs> I guess. I think, I think what you look at is whitetail. There's a lot of places to hunt them. You look at elk. There's a lot of places to hunt them. What's the most states? With, what, what, are, what top states do we have for whitetail right now? Like, what do you mean top states? Number of entries, size of yeah, entries. Yeah, number, of entries. number I mean, it's, of entries. It's definitely Wisconsin. Definitely. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's the biggest? Like, where's the largest whitetail taken? I mean. Well, no, like, if you had to say these these few states or these couple states um, are consistently putting in the biggest each year. Uh, not, not to necessarily the biggest, just single biggest world record, not the Mel Johnson buck, but um, just like Iowa is usually putting in the top, you know, Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin, Kansas. Um, Throw this out there, freak out a little bit. West Virginia's and Georgia have each had a jumbo come out. Um, I think there are a lot of big bucks out there that maybe we haven't heard of yet. And with more measures or new measures or more exposure, people learn more about Pope and Young. They want to support conservation and honor their buck. That happens. Um, we, yeah. you and I personally know a lot of guys that are even big time Pope and young guys, they've only got their top one or two measured and they've got maybe another 10 or more available out there. So numbers can be misleading. The question I would love you to ask is if you were a whitetail hunter and wanted to kill something that has the best chance of going high in the books with a lot of hard effort, velvet whitetail. That's really taking off since we've exposed, we've had more exposure. I'll tell you what, if you can hunt whitetail or blacktail or Sitka or or cows deer in the velvet, those categories don't have near as many entries. There's a lot 
more entries coming in. I'll tell you the category that's really I'm seeing boom is cows deer. If you're in Arizona, I'll call them coos deer, but Dr. Cows, I don't want him to, to be upset at any point. Um, those we're getting a lot more entries and it's a fun thing to hunt. I think there was a, a, a big exposure about 10 years ago and more and more people are doing that. Um, Sika, thanks to video and TV and everything has had a big exposure, but then Alaska just made a huge, huge change for non-residents. Only one buck allowed per year. That's going to change the number of entries we get significantly. Um, that's, that's a little spooky there. Um, we don't get a lot of caribou. Um, if we do often, it's an older caribou that was harvested years ago. We can't hunt Quebec Labradors right now. So, um, when I'm inviting the top five hardhorn and the top five, top five velvet of each caribou category, it might be the only five that came in. Um, whereas to be invited to a panel as top five hardhorn whitetail, I mean, that's like, that's huge. That's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be like one in 2000 or one in yeah. 2500. Um, yeah, there's, uh, to kill. Well, obviously to kill any elk in velvet is very difficult. There's very few places you can. We still don't even have a non-typical American elk in velvet and we may never have. Um, you've just got to get lucky with the number of abnormal points or at least total number of inches. Plus it has to be in velvet predominantly covered and it's very rare to do. In Oregon, you'd have to get what we call our governor's tag or people call it governor's tag. We call them um, A&H tags or premium tags. And that season opens August 1st. You have about two weeks to catch them in velvet. Same with deer. We, we get a few, quite a few mule deer and blacktail out West taken in velvet. Um, but not every area is conducive to harvesting animals in velvet. So velvet's very fascinating. Um, you need to target velvet pronghorn. You need to get the first one. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 have a a velveted, a flocked pronghorn in our workshop, and it's just funny to watch the students look at that, really confused. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, man, I I was fully prepared to go to Kentucky this year for an early season velvet whitetail hunt, and um, it just didn't didn't shape up. But last year, well, I guess two years ago, I actually shot a full velvet, perfect velvet whitetail uh, in Missouri. And I don't know, man, freak accident. It would just, it held on to its velvet for a long time. And it was like pristine velvet. So um, I don't know. But I've also been told, well, there's been a few um, kind of myths as to why it might have. But um, yeah, I uh, I was impressed. I, it's, I It will make Pope and Young. Definitely not anywhere near panel, but it'll make Pope and Young. Oh, cool. Um, but um so what I, I did want to ask you another thing. If somebody were to say, okay, and I actually talked to Justin about this on another podcast, but uh, Justin Spring from Boone and Crockett. But if somebody were to say, okay, I just want to, I want to get one in the books. What do you think the the best species to to go after is to just kill a mature animal to get in the books? I think... For those that hunt Roosevelt's, it's a very, in my opinion, a pretty low 
number, 225, to make book, but they're not easy to kill with a bow. I've got a few friends that, you know, 20 years in a row are killing six points that are in that 270 to 300 range, but that's not everybody. I think based on numbers, not based on experience, based on numbers, 125 whitetail seems to be pretty achievable um, compared to, I'm not, I don't think the same number of people are archery hunting mule deer. So obviously the numbers aren't, you can't use that as a comparison, but I think one of the harder things, frankly, to, to put in the book, you know, is animals like tulies because they're limited availability, certain caribou, certain animals that, you know, they're going to cost you a bit of money to go do. Um, and then animals that are in tough places, you know, I've got a friend that started bow hunting, not until he's 58. And he was very smart in his, in discussing this with him. He went after sheep first. He knew he had to do it soon before he got older because his body wasn't going to be, he's now 80. His body wasn't going to be able to do the sheep hunts later. And so that was very smart of him. And he probably saved some money doing it, you know, 20 years ago compared to now. But with the, with the number of, I will say average hunters that, Hey, we're trying to draw our local tags or we're going to buy an over the counter tag. And you're talking mule deer hunters, American elk hunters, whitetail hunters, blacktail hunters, and cows deer hunters. Nothing's easy, but it seems that that 125 number in many states is easier to achieve than, say, 95-inch blacktail in Oregon. Yeah. Um, well, people, you know, people automatically assume... Pope and Young, oh, they only care about the biggest, baddest animals. And, you know, I don't mean to sound cocky or arrogant in any way, but if you've whitetail hunted for any amount of time, you've probably at least seen a 125. And I don't even care right. what state you're talking about. Dude, I grew up in southern Arkansas. I mean, I, I grew up hunting in southern Arkansas where deer weigh 100 pounds. A big buck weighs 120 pounds. Like, I've, I've chased small deer. And even down there, you see 125s. Um, so, you know, Pope and Young, we, we've, we've got this kind of hateful persona around us as, oh, they only care about the biggest, baddest animals. That's not true at all. We care about mature animals being taken with archery equipment. And 125 is, you know, I mean, you're not going to get a, you're not going to get a one-year-old 125. When you kill here, a 125 and you do it in Alabama. Yeah, or Arkansas, Louisiana, Louisiana. Any, any of those places where it's the the antler configurations and genetics maybe aren't as big as Iowa, if you will. You, yeah, you probably appreciate it more. But I see so many entries come in, and obviously, the majority of the entries that I see come in are between one twenty five and zero eights, and probably one forty. Yeah. We marvel at the big ones because they are rare. We had. What we had five typical whitetail at convention that were over 188 inches. Oh my gosh! But but then it the numbers then really drop way off. You know, to get a Boone and Crockett level, you know, a 170 or larger with a bow. I don't care who you are. It's that's incredibly difficult to do. I think one of the hardest animals to get in Boone and Crockett is an American elk with a bow. That number's just so yeah. big. 
I mean, it's just, it's hard to do in a lot of Western states with any weapon. Um, but no, I, if you're saying, Hey, what's the, what's easier to kill in Arkansas, a Boone and a Pope and young whitetail or a Pope and young bear, it might even be a toss up, you know, the bears. I mean, it's so funny. It, bears are just like whitetail in a way you can go to certain areas, Alberta, Wisconsin, Arizona. And for some reason, those 350 pound bears, those 400 pound bears all have 21 inch skulls. You come out here like, 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 uh, Oki did, like Corey did, and you kill a 450 pound bear and it might, it might have a 19 and a half inch skull. And so it's true with whitetails and various places for blacktail. There are bigger blacktail here than there. And so I think the big thing is that what we love is we love to learn and master our area, our place, the place we like to yeah. go. And if you have the opportunity to go do something else, you have a lot of tools, a lot of resources out there at hand, pick a species you want to go hunt and go after it. If it hits our number, great. It's, it's just that it's just the it, guy. It it's just the great. Yeah. I mean, I think of all the animals I've taken with many different weapons. I've only got two in, in Pope and Young. I mean, <laughs> I just have an itchy finger, I guess. I don't know. But well, then there, dude, then there are guys, too, out. that just kill giants all the time. I went on an elk hunt last year, and I told my outfitter, I said, dude, if if we see a spiked bull, I'm shooting it. And he said, oh, Mr. Pope and Young's going to shoot a spiked bull, huh? And I said, dude, I'm hunting with a recurve. Like, I absolutely will. And I'll do it with a smile on my face, and I'll be pumped. Like, you know, people automatically assume we only care about giant animals. No, we care about hunting and we care about the, the conservation of bow hunting rights. Now, to do that, we have to measure mature animals being taken with archery equipment. Um, but no, that's not what it's all about, like at all. Um, I, I get that so many times. I'll post a picture of a proud hunter on social on our social media pages and the comments that come in. Did that even make Pope and Young? Doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't matter if it did or not. We're celebrating in this okay. guy's legal, ethical harvest with archery equipment that he's excited about. I never said it made book. I never said it was entered in the in the in the records. But this kid is pumped about a deer he shot or an elk he shot or whatever it he shot, and we want to celebrate in in that harvest with him. And that well, I shouldn't say harvest. Sorry, Alan Bolin. Uh, he hates that. Um, but we want to celebrate in that kill with him. So. No, it didn't make book. You're right. But that's not what we're all about. We're about bow hunting conservation and we're about the passion of bow hunting. And we're here to preserve, promote, and protect that passion for bow hunting. Not just records. Sure, records play a massive role in that, but not just records. Um, which I am excited about having you on because um we've always wanted to to try to get all the world record holders on um so we can share those stories and and celebrating the world record. Um, now with, with having you here, it'll be a little bit easier. So guys stay tuned in because we're going to be releasing episodes with a lot of world record holders just next Tuesday. We're going to have Daniel Welker on to talk about his world record. So we're going to try to dive into as many world records as we can. Uh, I do want to share also December 2nd, if you are in the college station, Brian, Brian area of Texas, you absolutely have to join us on December 2nd for a bow hunters bash. It's going to be an incredible event. We're partnering with Yeti. We're going to come in with pint nights. Isn't Tim that is the home of Texas A&M? You know, 
Is that it right? Is. Yeah. Is that a, is that a is. sore spot for Arkansas? Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I tell everybody, Arkansas sucks at everything. So we really don't have any enemies, you know, like we don't have any, any rivals because we just lose to everybody. So, um, just quit dropping the Razorbacks the are, the Razorbacks are actually changing their mascot. Did you know that? Did you hear about that? Oh, oh, oh boy. No, I didn't. Yeah. They're changing it to the possum play dead on the road and get killed at home. <laughs> it's a good time. Oh, my God. <laughs> So if you're in that area of Texas, uh, guys, it is going to be worth the trip. We're going to have some incredible door prizes, raffles, auction items. We're going to roll in a whole bunch of kegs. Tim's going to drink like a fish. It's going to be a good time. Um, I'm going to be teaching a workshop at the time. Oh, man. Yeah, we've got a measures workshop all that week leading up to, well, actually, right after starting that day and then the next three days after. I'm training 24 new measures. So, so uh, is there still no time to get in that? Like it, it, if there's if they want to become time. a measure, there's always time um, on the website. Class isn't filled up yet. We haven't even sent out invites yet. I'll do that at the Perfect. end of August. But on the website, on the records page under find a measure, there's a drop down to fill out a form. If you're interested in becoming an official measure, please list some good references. Please list your passions and why you want to become a measure. You get into our queue, you get on our list. We send out, on average, about 60 invites for every class to take the top, the first 24. And sometimes, you know, timing, location isn't preferred by an applicant. So um, it does sometimes take 60 invites just to get 24. This class, I, I just have a feeling based on everybody I'm talking to, it's going to fill up fast. But if you want to be a measure, we don't know you want to be a measure until you fill out a form and submit it to us. So, guys, make plans to join us on December 2nd for the Bow Hunters Bash. And then, if you are interested in being a measure, make sure and go check that out. Um, we are going to uh, have some more classes going on. So, make sure and get your name in there. That way, you can get an invite to one of these classes and become a measure. Um, Tim, man, Again, I'm excited to have you on as my co-host, and I hope that the the people are excited to listen um, because I think we are going to have a rock star lineup of world record holders and some of you know people's favorite bow hunters to come on and talk. So, guys, the Pope and Young podcast is officially back um, with a new voice, Mr. Tim Rizuski. Um, Rumor has it he'll get down on some Uncrustables too. So uh, we're in good company. So. I'm guys, not afraid of an so much. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be right back here next Tuesday with Daniel Welker and his world record. So I would highly, highly encourage you to jump right back in on next Tuesday. But thanks for listening. You guys have a fantastic week.